Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So we're having today honey baked chicken, white rice quite specifically. I thought it was rice and peas. I called Lily up and said... The white rice and rice and peas and her and Makita simultaneously went white rice! I'm like, yeah. okay, sorry. So yeah. honey baked chicken and avocado salad, fried planting and, um, and white rice, obviously. And this is what I used to make for them every week, probably, like on a regular basis. This is what they would eat. It was like it was like the cheapest thing in the world to make. Sometimes it would be wings, sometimes it would be thighs, sometimes it would even be a bit of a never a breast, though, mum. Never a breast, no. legs or thighs, thighs or legs. Never a breast shall we. <laughs> Our guest today is Lily Schmilly Poo Poo, Lily Allen. <laughs> Lily Schmilly Poo Poo. known as us, known to us as Schmilly Poo Poo, but to others, Lily Allen. So, Lily's been in town doing her play, The Pillow Man, killing it, absolutely killing it, doing uh, seven shows a week or something. This is Lily's favourite thing in the world, to come round to our house and be cooked for by mum. She requested this dinner. Yeah. She called me and said, I love your podcast, I want to come on the podcast, can I have honey baked chicken? Yeah. She didn't say, I'd love to come on the podcast because I'd love to talk and really get deep. She said, will will I get honey baked chicken and rice bag on the podcast? I said, yeah, sure, okay, I'll do it. Lily's mum is an incredible woman called Alison Owen, my auntie Alison. I first remember Alison flying down Old Compton Street. It's like in some kind of Victorian. She used to wear these kind of fitted Victoriana kind of dresses and look absolutely oh my brilliant. God, yeah. With her hair all back home, just flying about, being brilliant and hilarious. And uh, she's one of my dearest friends. I love her and I love all of her children. So and people say to me, how long have you known Lily? And I say, since the beginning of her life, because she's a year younger than me. Since the beginning of her life. So it's the beginning of her life. Um, so I don't know a life without Lily in it. And obviously we've been through so much as a family, um, but me and Lily particularly have been through um, this whole career trajectory thing together and going through similar experiences together. And we're in a really good place at the moment. We were always utterly terrified, horrified that we'd ever be in our late 30s. And now I'm 39, she's 38. Our birthdays are a week apart. We're both Torians. We're very similar. We're very competitive, but we love each other dearly and fiercely. And I'm really excited that she's going to come around and be loved up today. Hello. Hello. Hi. Honey. So I made you this um, sorrel 
and uh, rosemary and mint and lemon mm. steeped tea. And then we're, this is a hibiscus flower. Oh my goodness. It goes, what um, a treat! I know. I know. You actually haven't even been round to the family house. We had to record a podcast to see you. <laughs> no, well, I was listening to um, the Kathy Burke one. I was like, why has Kathy Burke been in their house? But I haven't. <laughs> Texted Makita, I was like, listen, what is going on? <laughs> and so like, can I come on the podcast? I was like, yeah, sure. Right. So does everything look correct, Lily? Everything looks correct, yeah. I'm very happy. Very it's been a long time since I've had right. this. Yes, Probably and you know what? 15, 20 years. No, we don't normally let people be that specific, but as it was you. <laughs> <laughs> like Steve Jones tried to get really specific. I was like, chill Absolutely out, Steve. Mum was having so, um, so, what did you request? Uh, Andy's honey baked chicken, white rice, and avocado salad. Done. Yes. And I've made some planting, and of course, honey baked chicken gravy. God, we ate well, didn't we, as children? <laughs> yeah, but also, Andy's got fancy pants now. So when she cooks now, it's like I just want this <laughs> yes i know no it's true and, and it's that's like, it must like be oh we're having something <laughs> like this and it's like okay it's no, that's nice. cool but when is the chicken Where? coming back <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so happy you said that because i'm always everyone's like isn't it great having a mum chef it's like i prefer when she just made some nice chicken and, and rice and 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 also and when i heard the kathy burke episode of this podcast i was like hmm this is my in but can we just... Uh, so I've made a roast tomato vinaigrette. Mm. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> she had to get... Me. You had to get your chefiness well, in. Well, I just had all these little tomatoes and I thought, let me roast them maybe I'll serve them. And I thought, oh, I'll put them in the vinaigrette. Right, and let's now, go. I'm getting... It's, it's like moving on. Moving on from the roast tomato. I'm so pleased that Lily wanted white rice because that's so important to me. Before we start, I was saying to Taya, when I think of you and Makita... I think of you loving each other, fighting, fighting each other, loving each other. It's like been this kind of table tennis match for your entire 30, lives. 39, <laughs> 39 years. Because you are both pushing 40. I know. So Dave, she said, you know, now the girls are pushing 40. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, actually, Hang shit, on that's a moment. valid now. <laughs> and I always knew this would be hard. It, 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 was hard it was hard when I turned 10. And she was still 9. Same at 20. You panicked about <laughs> age since we were like three. Like, I, you were like, oh my God, we're going to be 16. <laughs> I know, I'm going to no. be so old. It's true. Oh so the way you guys grew up, Lily, like mm. all together like that in a kind of tumble, do you think that's affected how you were as a mother? Sometimes it blows my mind that my mum had three children by the time she was 24 yeah. and managed to make such a successful career for herself. Right. And I don't... don't to me, it seems unfathomable that you could achieve that. And I don't think you can, could do that in this day and age. And she says it was totally different back then and there was a much bigger sense of community mm -hmm. and that you really could rely on your next-door neighbours to keep an eye on the kids yep. for a few hours while you, you know, went yep. and did certain jobs or whatever. And, and that that just isn't... Afforded, and I don't think it's because people aren't nice anymore. I just think that we're all so overstretched with our time. Everybody's overstretched and we live quite differently and you guys kind of live further apart from... Like, we all lived pretty close to each other yeah. all mm -hmm. the time. So the the kind of ease of which you go, I'm going to drop the kids around or I'm coming over, I'll drop Keats and I'm going to go... That stuff happened really kind of naturally and easily. It wasn't like a thought-out thing. We have bigger lives than you guys had in the way of, like, we go off into the world and do things. You guys were all just in a unit in one place for a long time. 
yes, I think that's true. Yeah. But also culturally, I think that, you know, in, in your day, it was more about, you know, what you created as a whole, like you had the Buffalo scene or the yeah. comic strip. Whereas now, yeah. because of social media, I think it's the age of the individual. So yeah. we all have to and then focus on ourselves as one rather than as and a group. And I think also we just used to... There was a, because because you didn't you you couldn't connect people unless you were outside of your house. Mm. Do you know what I mean? People could call you up, but it was a different thing. You didn't have all these twenty five different ways of spending time with people. Mm-hmm. There was either physically, or you made a phone call, or there was a letter. It pushed you outside of your the confines of your own space, and it pushed you into community, and it pushed you to build those kind of um, cooperative situations more than the way that the today is built does more than the way the world is built today does that's quite yeah. interesting i'd never thought about it like that actually. What, what do the girls think of now that ethel is 10 yeah how old are they hmm no i'm joking um <laughs> 10 and 11 and oh, yeah, your Ed, sorry marnie's 10 marnie's my goddaughter marnie's your goddaughter i was um very emotional when lily asked me but how do they feel about who you are now they're a bit older and what job you've had and the stuff you've done do they know about like do they know about like headlining glastonbury's that stuff mean anything to the girls no not yet really they're old enough for that to be on their radar they think that i've been cancelled yeah Imani I've actually caught her saying to it she goes you know she she wanted to be talking to her friends she was like my mummy was cancelled for helping the refugees oh right Twitter (laughs) cancelled wow wow and so they do know that terminology wow yeah cancelled so, do they know that you were a pop well, star? They know that, like, mummy gets, you know, people are mean about mummy sometimes. Right, and so right. when you're trying to explain that to them, I have to try and, like, explain to them, like, right-wing Britain. Right. <laughs> like Brexit. And, right. And how mummy has been involved in those things and has made her a bit of a target for yeah. people that don't want progress for some, for some For some reason, I don't know, maybe it's just the age we're all getting to these different ages, but I've been thinking a lot, and actually in a couple of interviews I've spoken about you and Makita and the way that what you both have had to deal with in terms of the press, mm-hmm. actually. and Because uh, to me, I'm, I'm so proud of both of you because I just think you're both... You've both been really brave and every single time you get knocked down by that stuff, you kind of get back up again and get on with it. But it's, it's been quite brutal... Yeah, it's been yeah. relentless. You know, when you two were young, it was really quite hardcore. Um, what did it feel like from the other side, Lily, for you? I don't know if it felt like anything because I was self-medicating to, like, numb myself to it, I think. But, but it is what you wanted. To like, a certain extent. To be, but to be hugely well-known and to be a massive success. Yes, I think so. But also not really. I mean, I like I liked it when it happened, but I was also confused by it because I think, you know, we had all been around fame to yeah. a certain extent. You know, you with Nana, me with my dad, and mm-hmm. my mum being with Harry Enfield for a few years. And obviously when things started off for me, I enjoyed the, you know, fast lane and I was partying quite a lot. But I had watched my dad do the, that and be celebrated for it. Mm. Um, Interesting, yeah. And, you know, the whole him and Damien and Alex James from Blur and the Groucho's years and Britpop and lad culture. Yeah, they were like kings of the world. Yeah, it was very much... And so I was confused when, you know, I'd be photographed at Glastonbury with a beer can and a cigarette and it would be presented in such a negative way. Mm. That was definitely odd. Yeah. 
And also just because I think, you know, we, have, we were sort of gaslit through our childhood of, like, you know, things are getting to a more equal place. Like, women have equal opportunities. You can do anything. And it was like, okay, I believe that. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, I don't know. I think that's what <laughs> that's I thought as well. Point, I, was like, we, I was like, but we were told by you lot, obviously, and sort of somewhat falsely by the world, that, like, this was the age of the opinionated woman. And, like, um, right. it was, like, just post-Ladette. And it was like you can be, you can have opinions and say what you want, and that's why that's how I was on Pop World. And obviously there it was celebrated. I think Lil as a pop star it was celebrated being opinionated, but everywhere else they were like, who the but fuck you see, do the, they think they are? The thing about the Ladette culture, Ladette thing was quite interesting to me because it was such a construct. Because it by came, men, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Because really there was a, there was a moment before the kind of so-called Ladette thing happened where women were being feeling very powerful we were feeling very powerful and being very outspoken and then suddenly what they did was kind of redress a kind of dolly bird situation yes. the whole so, sort of like loaded yeah um, era you know if you didn't want to go to a strip club it's because you were uptight yeah do you know what I mean and if you didn't want to like have get your tits out it's because you were uptight yeah. <laughs> and I'm not uptight I just quite like wearing my clothes do you know what I mean it'd be funny mate you know, they they kind of re-watched, and it was like they literally gaslit all all women. Everyone, yeah. And everybody thought you had to do all this stuff mm. and walk about feeling like, yeah, I really fancy going. It's like, it's a really powerful thing to yeah. to hang around and, you know, be a prostitute and do all those things. And, and if you didn't agree with that, it was because you were uptight. And yeah. then, you know, you're probably frigid and you're probably all the same old tropes that they'd always trotted out against feminists right. and women were trotted out again, but from a slightly different... But I think that happens now. There's definitely an Instagram version of that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of, um, you know, what feminism should be for for who. And if you don't subscribe to this particular viewpoint, then your opinion is worthless to us as a tribe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I guess we just must... And it must have been like that forever. But, you know, but it's interesting that you talk about it. Because I remember being quite shocked... At the time, what thinking we... about the Ladette culture thing, right. I'm thinking, oh my god, no, but this is the same shit. Do you not see that this is the same shit? <laughs> Looking around, going, oh my god, no, they're doing it to us. What are you doing? What are you doing? And it was like slightly panicky as a feeling. What did you think about when you saw um, the way the press dealt with Lil? I was horrified. Mm. I mean, I just felt really protective about you because, you know, if any of the kids, any of you are ever feeling vulnerable or in a vulnerable position, obviously, then I just feel like. You know, you want, I want to step in, basically, and be in between any of you and that kind of onslaught. And what you were going through was particularly bad. And because it was so public, you know, because it was yeah. the press, it wasn't just in a pub or in a club or in a restaurant or something. It was like yeah. a kind of wall. And it felt like old, kind of flaky old men. Like, I just had a real image of, like, you know, old um, Fleet Street kind yeah, of Yeah, it was guys. very isolating. I mean, I think... The thing is, the worse that it was, the more I would, like, shut down and not communicate and not talk to people. And mm-hmm. also I think that it kind of, like, came at the same, a similar time to s- smartphones and, and texts and WhatsApp. So there was, like, I could kind of, like, shut off but, like, keep contact, like, little bits with yeah. people. But what I found upsetting, I think, in that time more than anything was that was when people that I considered to be really close to me would only be able to communicate with me through what they'd seen in the newspapers. Right. So it was like, you know, rather than being like, 
I can see that you're really sad and in pain. It mm. would be like, you must be in pain because of this. Mirror and it's like, like I'm not, I'm actually not. Mm. But I would really like for people to be able to see me as someone that is not that tabloid person. And the worse that that got, the more I would isolate and separate yeah. myself. And so it just was like a perpetuating thing that got worse and worse. But... It was a learning curve. I'm, you know, I got a house out of it. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> so, did some extraordinary things as well in that time. But do you yeah. know what? You know what we were remembering the other day was um, that Garfield somewhere has got a demo tape that oh, you God. came round. No, Lil, it would be good. It would be like those early <laughs> reggae songs, which I loved. <laughs> Grim. Brilliant. I can't even listen to the actual albums that came out. No, so, uh, you, no, what, no wait, you really not? Do you really, can you, can you can't listen to All Right Still? Absolutely not. Are you kidding? No There's way. There's brilliant songwriting on that album. Uh, that may be the case, but <laughs> it's not, it's like, you know, I mean, you and I didn't go to university, but I always say it to people like, you know, when if you had to go back to going to university and sit in your local student union and listen to yourself wanging on about whatever <laughs> it was that you felt really passionate about at that particular time. Yeah. You'd be like, get me out of here now. Yeah. And if you have to do that every night of the week, like, because that's what I had to do when I was performing, you know, touring, is do yeah. all those songs. It's like listening to an annoying, like, jumped up, youthful version of yourself who hasn't actually experienced anything yet. Wow. And it's like, shut up. <laughs> And also, yeah. why are you talking like that? <laughs> no. Like no, 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 Because no. someone asked me, someone actually asked me in an interview that they said, um, you know, what did you think, what would you say to people that would say that Lily was, sounded like affect, affectatious? And I said, the thing that people don't understand is that Lily basically did grow up in Grove. None of us spoke proper, like, road, like everyone around us, but that is the language we heard every day. Mm. And it was the parlance that was around and it's what made us feel safe and, like, the, the, the people that we... I don't know, it just, for me, it's very home-sounding. So I don't think it's affectatious, it's just that is actually what we knew. It's I mean, there like, was, I think it was being slightly affectatious, but also I think, you know, I did just sing in an English accent. No one says anything now when Drake's, like, <laughs> talking it's about Roadman in Tottenham. No, I know! It's like, oh, please. Does he do that? Yes. yes. Often. I'm so old, Often. I never know anything anymore when it's people okay. make you these references. You don't need to know what Drake's I'm just like, I do know who Drake is. <laughs> oh, good, well done. I'm down with the kid. Um, I want to talk about David because he's my favourite person you've um, ever married or been out with. <laughs> <laughs> From all your husbands, he's our favourite, Lily. <laughs> that's not fair. She, you've only I've married, been married twice. twice. <laughs> One of them is to David. I, that's why I added, and anyone you've ever been out with. Okay. David is um, a beautiful kind of beacon of light, I feel. He's lovely. I gave him chicken once. What did you get him chicken? And he was happy. I bought, I don't know, for some reason I brought chicken to your house. I gave him chicken once. Why should I bring chicken to your house? Probably because I asked you to bring it over. But why would I do that? Then David just intercepted it. Yeah, so he's eating your food. Um, So, um, David, David, um, you've been married for a few years now. Yeah, I think coming up to three, maybe. God, already, that was quick. God, yeah. Yeah. The, Um, The Vegas wedding. I like him. He's kind. Yes. He's very kind. He's just, he's very different to any other of my partners. I think he's nicer. Um, he is, yeah, he's you know, very sort of optimistic and very encouraging person. I mean, I think he, 
You know, a little bit what we touched on earlier. He was very confused. And I think Americans don't have the same sort of tab- tabloid culture that we have. Right. And so when he came, when he was in England filming and we met, I was not in a particularly good place. You know, my marriage to Sam had disintegrated and I was kind of, you know, dating. And, yeah. you know, I guess, you know, he didn't, I wasn't really on his radar before and like professionally or whatever. But as a result of us started to see each other, he would, you know, come Ooh. across like bits of information about me, see how the tabloids report. And he was genuinely very confused about the negative slant on everything. And he was just like, what are you doing here? Like, right. people are horrible to you. Like, and all you do is, like, create stuff that, like, h- helps people ultimately and makes people feel more human and you're putting honest, truthful art out into the world and you just seem to be attacked, being attacked the whole time. Yeah. And he was just like, why? What, why didn't you leave? Yeah. Had you ever thought about not living here? <clears throat> I had. But then, you know, I had just thought the kids were settled at, you know, at Fox, you know, the my school, school that you used to go to. My school, my school. And I just thought I was sort of trapped by motherhood and right. that that was you had where to I was going to yeah. be until they were 18. And it wasn't until I met David and he was like, there is another whole world that you could visit. And I was like, oh, really? Hmm. It's a place called New York City. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, but then, you know, COVID was what made us really, because I don't, you know, he was so busy with work. I was so busy, you know, doing work I guess and I and we there would never have been a time that we would have been able to come together and try out living together and I would never have taken the risk of uprooting the kids and moving to New York if I didn't know that it was gonna work Mm. so Covid was a blessing for us really because it meant okay the world has stopped none of us can work um and he was like I haven't got anywhere to go and I said we'll come to England and he came to England we lived together for six months and we were like this works and I suppose we should say your your husband is an actor he is an actor yes what's his other name Uh, Harbour Harbour what's his other name David (laughs) Harbour David Harbour David Harbour he's lovely very successful and is it do you feel like now you're two actors living together it's interesting now that you're an actress yeah I like it no I don't think we do feel like that you don't feel like an actress no, but I never felt like a singer either. Right, really. is it you doing different things? I think I'm just a forever imposter in everything that I do. Oh. Honestly, even after what's happened with acting and how well it's gone with theatre acting and the response you've had, because I feel like it's been... Yeah, like... I don't like think of myself as an actress. I think of myself as Lily, that, like, just, you know, I was very lucky that these opportunities come along, you know. I also had, like, a number one Sunday Times best-selling book, but I don't consider myself an oh, author. Oh, yeah, I the book! <laughs> and it went to number one, just casually. Yes, casually. I think as society, we put a lot of pressure on people to be one thing and yeah. to do that one thing really, really well and to have a plan. And people are always, whenever I do those ask me any questions thing on Instagram, people are always like, what's the goal? It's like, like really? I mean, no. like... Just to make shit and stay like, alive. Hope people like it. I guess. I'm very different to you now. I'm like very planny, very goaly, goal oriented. I am quite goal oriented these days. You are, but that's been, that's been really good for you mm. because it's given you clarity. Yeah, I thought you were the same though. Mm, I think maybe I'm the same in terms of short term. Like when I commit to doing something, I really commit to it, and yeah. I see that project through. 
like this play, for instance, like my thing is that I will not miss a show. I don't care how sick I am. I don't care how tired I am. Like I'm going to do every single show and I'm going to be able to say that to myself at the end of the run. So no, but it's quite interesting though that you don't think about yourself in those kind of terms. You just think about sort of putting out artistic output endeavor yeah. or just doing projects that you want to engage with i just like you know things come along and i'm like hmm, yeah actually i don't seem like quite i a, think quite it, I've, I've always been like that i think it's quite healthy yeah because because uh, then you're not stuck yes. in one road well, How- so i think that this is just a bit of a myth around like talent it's convenient for people to think that like they'll be good at one thing and they should focus on that one thing and i don't i think that everybody is actually probably a lot more talented than they no, they are, because they're too focused on this one idea. And I think, you know, I feel very just lucky and for want of a more less annoying word, privileged, that I ha- get all of these opportunities. You know, yeah. what, I've made it with singing. New Look came along to me and said, do you want to design a capsule oh collection? Oh, my yes, God, I, do. I remember that. BBC Three came along and said, do you want to try presenting a TV show? Yeah, yes, actually, I do, I do want yeah. to do that. And so I, and I've, I've been good at some of those things and not so good at a lot of those things, but... <laughs> I've enjoyed trying them all out. And I think that if everybody, you know, if everybody had the chance to do that, then they would probably find out that there's, you know, a lot more going for, oh, for them. With them than they exactly. even realise. So yeah, that's how I you agree. approach the acting. Like when you got 222, the first play, you were just like, okay, let me see what I'm like at this. Was that their idea or your idea? No, it was totally from? them. And I was, and initially I was like, absolutely not. Why would I do that? <laughs> West End play. So I just moved to New York, and so I was like, you know, somebody... I mean, I literally had put the key in the door to our house, and my phone rang, and it was this casting agent. She was like, hi, I've got your number from uh, your mum, because I'm working on her with the project, but I'm casting this play. Would you be up for doing it? And I was like, well, when is it? She was like, it's in July in London. And I was like, well, no, I live in New York, and also I don't act, so... (laughs) Yeah, also I'm not actress. Um, And then I went home that night, and... David asked me, you know, what I'd done with my day. And a couple of the nights before that, I'd had a bit of a sort of existential crisis. I was like, what am I going to do in New York? And then I said, oh, yeah, well, actually, this casting agent called me about this play. And he was like, well, what's the play about? And I said, I don't know. I got off the phone. He said, maybe you should call back and see what it was about. I called her back. She sent me the script. And and because, you know, 222, that play was about ultimately, you know, a relationship between a mother and a young mother and her baby. Um, but it's a horror. And so, you know, I lost a baby before Ethel was born. Mm. I had a son called George. And so I read this thing and I just immediately assumed this ba- is going to be a dead baby. That's why right. they've asked me to do this, because they're right. like, you know, she'll be able to God. relate to this story. And so I stopped reading it and I said to David, you, you can read the rest of it. I don't, I don't want any, anything to do with it. And he read it and he was like, it's no, no dead baby. You can keep going. <laughs> It's safe. Um, so, yeah, and then I read it and I called the director and I said, you know, a big part of sobriety as well is like, sure- you know, if you're doing the 12-step program, which I was at the time, is surrendering yourself to the universe and just kind of letting, stop trying to control everything yeah. so much. And so, you know, this thing, I had been upset about not be- feeling a little bit directionless and then this thing came to me yeah. and I just thought well actually yeah just throw yourself to the wind and then I really enjoyed it I loved it so much and was it t- terrifying like first night like before you went on what was that like that I first mean, week before we did talk a lot and you were like what the hell <laughs> am I doing I was like you got <laughs> it was horrendous was it was yeah. horrendous and I you know I remember on the opening night Isabel who was the um 
assistant director, she came into my dressing room. Actually, I don't remember because I'm so traumatised. I've probably, you know, blocked it out or whatever. But she said, she said I was literally face down on the floor in my dressing room, like dry retching into the carpet. Oh, my God. Like, I can't do this. I'm not going no, but I mean, this there. is classic feel the fear and do it any way. Yeah. Like, that's like... Yeah, but also I do like doing big things that seem too terrifying. big for yeah. me and terrifying because they make me feel... <laughs> Alive in some yeah. way. Yeah, we say if your dreams don't scare you, maybe they're not big enough. Yeah. But it's quite like it's, it's take a good it. feeling that it's like I yeah. am absolutely terrified and I'm still going to do it. Yeah, yeah. And also, I'm a bit of a blagger, you know. So I think there's that, and I'd probably get that from my dad. Like when I was writing, all right, still, I remember like, like going up to write music in Manchester. I'd never written music <laughs> before, and they were like, you know, we did wrote Smile was the first song that I wrote, and yeah. they were like. Um, you know, now we need a middle eight. And I remember going, what the fuck is a middle eight? And I had to leave the studio and go outside and call George Lamb, oh, my manager, you couldn't even Google. And be like, what is a middle eight? And he was like, oh, it's just that bit, you know. In and you were like, <laughs> <laughs> Which is why in Smile, it's just me going, la, 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 la. I got better at those middle eights. Yeah. Still a great melody of a middle eight. Oh but yeah, God. you know, I do like to take on these. It's a little bit like, can I trick them into thinking I'm yeah, a bit It's also, it's also, can you, you trick yourself into thinking? No, that, that's yeah. the thing, I can't. But I think you're also <laughs> a hustler, like in the best of ways. Because I feel like there's quite a lot of like, blagging is one thing, but also it's like getting on with it and turning things into the things you've turned them into. It's quite the blag. Mm. How did you feel the idea of just not working and being a mum and not doing anything with your career and just focusing on the other side of life. It's weird. It's really weird. Um, because I have been so driven and also pretty quickly after things got, you know, I became successful in my early 20s, I suddenly then had responsibilities like mortgage repayments and mm. nannies and, you know, just I, I had employees. I had like tours and yeah. everyone was on my payroll. And so I had to keep going and and so it was that fear of not being able to you know meet the expectations of everybody and and to do what what I had start, finished what I had started that kind of kept me going so I think you know yes yeah, stopping and you know and Dave, David marrying David is the first time that I've been in a relationship where somebody else has kind of taken the the lead in that yeah. sense I've never been able to surrender and it and it it did kind of bring up a lot of problems at first. Yeah. I found it really hard. What, that he was the breadwinner suddenly? Yeah. Yeah. I did not know how to deal with no, that. No, I don't think I would. <laughs> it's like, no, it's quite mean? weird. <laughs> because everyone wants it. To, it's the dream, right? Isn't it? Never like has been they, ours. It's never been my to dream. You bring your it's... credit card out and blah, blah, blah. I mean, someone else pays for the holiday. And I was just like, I just did not like it. No, I don't think I would. <sighs> don't mind it now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not that bad, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, because because I think the, the when you because as you describe that, it does sound quite alarming to me because it sounds like a relinquishment of independence. Right? Yes. Yeah. And none, 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 nobody sitting around this table is. Well, really it would come out that. in other ways. So you know, I'd find myself like started to snap at David in certain right. ways, or trying to sort of control other parts of our relationship. And he was like, "You know, this is because I'm paying for the holiday, right?" And I was like. God, he's good. God, you're annoying. <laughs> he's good, he's good. Good work, David. It's like, we'll talk about this in therapy. But I'm just, well, I see you. I'm just, I, I see you. you. Just, see what's happening. Just flagging. I think I know what's going on. 
<laughs> Golf, it's okay. Do you want some food? I don't mind paying. <laughs> Golf, do you want some food? I would love, love some food. Yeah. I feel like you could come and say hi to Lady for a minute, seeing yeah, she's your little. I can't believe you've gotten you to this point of the series and then you don't. You he's don't never know in it. Um, he's he's really. his debut. Why don't you two tell people who Garfield is? <laughs> <laughs> This is the man that came into our lives when I was 11, Lily was 10. And right. generally, generally make his life hell. He was my mum's boyfriend. He's now my mum's partner of 25 years. And uh, he's, he's raised us and put up with us. Actually, actually, honey baked chicken is when I kind of like, I used to never eat meat. When I first met your mum, I didn't eat meat yeah. for about 12, 13 years. And we weren't really seeing each other. We were kind of like... We were seeing each other. You, you were lying. still slagging it about the club, basically. <laughs> yeah. I, can't you, I can't believe you just said we weren't no, really no, we seeing weren't, each other. No, we weren't no, really dating time, and no, like no, weren't no, serious. No, at that time, before the chicken, I was eating vegetarian food and Andy brought out this tray of... Tray of chicken. And I was looking at it thinking... And he went, ah, fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and started eating meat again. Yeah. No. And it was and it was a honey baked chicken that did it. You can always get him with a plate plate of chicken. Yeah. You can go now. Go. I am. I'm you can go now. You're so <laughs> <laughs> Back to the up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You are actually going to a food coma. But you know what? You're completely knackered. How much longer have you got with the play? Three more weeks. Three more weeks. <gasps> How does three more weeks feel? I mean, I think when it I get to the end of this week and it's two more weeks, then it will feel a little bit more like sort of homeward stretchy. But right. it's, um... I mean, it's a really challenging part. When I came, with me and your mum came the other day and saw you, even as an audience member, it's quite tiring. Yeah. So I just can't imagine doing that every single night. How long is it? It's quite long. It's two hours and 40 minutes. Two oh. hours and 40 minutes, and you're on all the time. Yeah. yeah. With a lot to say. With a lot to say. <laughs> I don't think we should say what it's about, because I think <clears throat> so many people I've spoken to that have been to it um, ha- didn't know, and I think it's kind of extraordinary if you don't know what it's about. But it's, just it's go weighty stuff. It's deep. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, it's sort of... Sub- it, and without telling you what the, exactly the story is, it sort of cov- it's touches on, I guess... Um, you know, authoritarianism, freedom of speech within an authoritarian regime, um, childhood trauma, 
how much we suffer for our art as artists. It's very timely. Violence against women. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, yeah, plethora of stuff. It's a lot every night and matinees. Some, yeah, eight shows a week. Do you think it's, how, how do you think doing it has affected you? Does it have an emotional effect on you? Like? It wasn't. I had done really well at separating the two things and disassociating. And then t- about two weeks ago, there were two medical incidents that happened in the theatre while I was on stage. Well, people collapsed? Yes. The first one was somebody on the top tier um, had collapsed. And so we were midway through a scene and someone just started screaming, you know, we need to get her out of here, get her out. Somebody call an ambulance, somebody call an ambulance. So that was quite God. a lot. And, yeah. we, and we were just... I, we just stopped because obviously they needed to communicate. So I didn't want to be talking because I wanted to give them their space. But nobody came out and rescued us on stage. So with me and Matthew, who plays my brother, we're just sitting there for like two or three minutes, just staring out into the audience and also not looking at each other because we were trying to kind of remain in character. Um, So that was really intense. And then four days later, I was on stage and a woman in the front row started having an epileptic fit. And it was unbelievably graphic. And oh oh my god! And because she was in the front row, the lights were kind of on her, so I could sort of I could see everything. And 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 I had to stop the show at that point. I was like, we need to get as a medical emergency. Can somebody come and help this lady in the front row that needs help? And the reason I bring this up is because I think up until those points, I'd been so good at keeping Lily and Katurian, which is the name of my character, completely separate. And and actually, the getting dressed up after the show had really helped with that because, you know, there's just two very clear, very different identities. Mm. Because actually, with Katurian, there is a lot of crossover and it, it does have potential to be quite traumatising for me if I kind of let her too far into my sort of psyche. But in these medical emergencies, completely out of my control, both of those people had to come together at the same time, Specific, especially after the epileptic fit, I just broke broke down. I just came off the side of stage and I just started crying. And I was crying for 20 minutes straight. And I hadn't... And as it was happening, I was like, I haven't done this for months. I haven't cried for months. So I think that in answer to your question, I had been doing a really good job of not letting it affect me. And Mm. I was thinking, you know, people would come out for dinner and they'd be like, are you okay? You seem really distant. And I think that I had disassociated so much just to get through this show... And that actually in the last couple of weeks it started to come out because I, you know, it also hasn't really stopped. Like a tap, a tap has good. been opened. Maybe right. quite good. But I could just be walking along and someone would be like, how are you? And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> no. right. So it's got a little bit So like the that. cork's out, off the, yeah. out the top of the bottle. So now, I think that's not necessarily a bad Yeah, thing. so no. now what? How do you feel like you want to proceed with the next few weeks of the show? And feeling like it's it. just got to do it. Yeah. But like the taps open, the taps on. I'm very grateful for my sobriety because I think I would have been leaning on alcohol and whatever yeah. else to kind yeah. of numb it all. If and that could definitely. You said that when I came to see you actually. When we when me and Alison came, you said um, you know what's hard at the end is like most people go out and get pissed or yeah. whatever, yeah. do whatever it is they do, and you can't do that. And actually, that that's the diff- a difficult moment. Yes. So let's talk about your surprise. Yeah. I, How long have you been sober now? Four years. And how has it changed your life? I mean, in every every single way. I mean, I, a. I mean, I've, this is not exaggerating. I really don't know if I would be alive. Right, And that's not because of, um, I think that I used to drink or take drugs to a certain extent that I would have like overdosed or choked on my own vomit or something like that. But I just think that my mental health would have got so bad that I just don't know if I'd still be here. 
Um, and I, w- you know, certainly wouldn't be in my relationship with David. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have such a connected um, relationship with my children, who are incredibly self-aware now and are able to identify and talk about their emotions, which is, for me, my greatest achievement. Because yeah. I... I didn't feel like that still as a kid. find it quite hard to be you know completely vulnerable and honest and truthful about my feelings and I, and I don't really know how to identify them a lot of times certainly don't really know how to um share them with other people but um but my kids do and I think it's such a valuable thing to be able to do it's, and it's they're 10 and 11 huge. and they can do it and it's, it's huge and so I feel like yeah, fuck playing Glastonbury like my kids can tell you how they Yeah, feel. but it's a massive thing. It's a massive thing. As a parent, to know that you to feel like your children are emotionally healthy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a massive, massive thing. Yeah. Um Were you were you worried about how it would be in your relationships that were because our relationship was never based on that because we're friends from birth. Your birth. Yes. Um but a lot of that a lot of um, drinking and partying and all that stuff ran through our relationship for a long time. So I know that I was worried that it would be hard for us to be close, but I actually think we're closer Yeah. in the last couple of years. Not closer, but like found something else. Healthier. Yeah, healthier. healthier. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I used to use drugs and alcohol as a way to switch everything off, you know, which means that you stop experiencing and having mm. truthful and valuable yeah. relationships with people and you're it becomes about something else. Level. Like your like your energy, like being around you, it's like I you know, I don't feel worried about you all the time. I used to feel worried about you all the time. I used to feel worried about you all the time as well, Makita. I don't feel worried about either of you anymore. Whoa. <laughs> no, I don't. It took well, us 40 out. years. Well done uh, no, but you you just feel like no, and you I feel mean, like I think steady sobriety, as she that's goes. What it do, you know, that's what it does. Is it, it helps you to feel more level. You know, I don't feel like I'm living life to the extremes. There are no extreme highs, but there are also no extreme lows anymore. Yeah. And so sometimes you're... I miss it. You know, I, so I you know I think I look at Glastonbury or like carnivals happening in a couple of weeks, and I think God, it would be fun. You know, to go there and ha- have fun like we used to. But I just. I know what it feels like two weeks later and yeah. um and Fun it's just not different. worth it it's not worth it yeah. for me. but you are coming i am coming. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to carnival yes she is i'm gonna go on the sunday yeah Woo! um Woo! and the kids are gonna come as well so yeah. okay, you're gonna take the girls to carnival yeah. we're gonna do it a new way yeah we just went we've been filming um i've been filming I this heard. Weekend, and we went to the old flat oh my god we went to your terrace yeah, yeah. Oh my god. we were filming on the stoop and then this lady came out and we were like oh shit that's the hallway this is paris terrace that we, mum and i um the home that we had the beautiful housing trust flat in west London for 14 years <laughs> oh lily god. was very much uh, a member of it used to there used to be a trolley in the oh house oh my god yeah in the hallway a yeah shopping trolley yes yeah. shopping trolley there was i think you nicked it from tesco's i think you got it from tesco's and then you were like it's quite handy it's entirely possible <laughs> <laughs> and because I used to have to carry a lot of chicken at Westbourne Park Road oh all God, the Mom. time. Yeah, but Mum, they used to have those things so that you couldn't take no, the No, no, they out. came in later because people like me used to make shocking They came in because of people like me stealing the trolleys. But I remember being put, put in that trolley and you and Phoebe putting pillows on top a of me. A duvet over your head, yeah. yeah. And being just trapped in the trolley. <laughs> no, and I was, um, I was trying to see how claustrophobic you really were. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> what a, a nice, nice story. That's a nice spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, 
it was completely <laughs> evil. It was like, she was like, unclaustrophobic. I was like, let's see how much it was. It was fucked up. Um, and also the broom, that was our way of communicating with you. The can we not, the can we not talk about that? I can't talk about that. It's talking about me having sex. <laughs> <laughs> Like, we'd be Shut like, up, <laughs> my poor mom, 24 or something, just trying to have a life, trying to have a life, and we're like, bang, you're just like, Shut up, guys. <laughs> poor guy must children. have been like, I'm out of here. So, don't worry, it's anyway. just the kids. It's just, uh, <laughs> So we got into the flat. Well, we didn't get into the flat. We got into the hallway the other day. Just Mikita's, the main hallway. Makita got very. We, we both got very emotional. Makita started crying. Then half an hour later, we went and had something to eat, and I started throwing up. No. And I couldn't stop. Couldn't I had to come stop vomiting. Home. I lost the ability to talk. It was like all because when we lived at that flat, that's when my brother died. It's when. That my ex boyfriend got stabbed. I opened the door and he fell through the door. And I realized that um, so much trauma happened in that flight, even because yeah. in my head, I just think of all the nice things. Yeah. And all the. But I think you don't because that's why the disconnect when I'm like, let's go back to West London and like reminiscing. You were like, no thanks. I think you yeah. know that there's some old other stuff there. It was um, deep. But I wondered, Lily, uh, because that was a house that you were at a lot and that mm. you grew up in a lot. How do you see the childhood that we had? now in your late 30s how, what do you think about it especially now that you're a mum I feel very lucky because I think we just we had such a sort of smorgasbord of people like people from all different class brackets race brackets um, what people were doing from their for their jobs like it was just like we knew everyone and I don't feel like there was ever any like we didn't really like prioritize certain people because no. they made more money or they were more famous. Everyone had, you know, their worth, and I think mm. that is what I take from my childhood. Really, that. is that, that. It, you know, yes, we were at ground chosen, but we would also like be, you know, doing really bad things on the twenty fifth floor of some council estate with two roofies. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you know we we were exposed to so much, so, so, to so many different things, and actually it was valuable to even to have like a little look into some really privileged people's life because you could see that those people weren't actually happy yeah. so we never right. really put that thing that stuff up on a pedestal and so I think what I came away from my childhood thinking was that I, you know it's the relationships that you mm. build with people that are valuable and those long lasting relationships I mean well. there were several times when you were not getting on with your mum or your dad or whatever, and you would just turn up at ours and sleep on, just move just into Mikita's house. house yeah. like, move into Mikita's room. Quite a few people bit. would say that. Yeah, Lily lived with us. <laughs> I got to work one day when I was doing GLR and I was doing the afternoon show, and I walked in and this woman went, there's a, there's a girl here. She says she's Keith Allen's daughter. <laughs> and I went, what, Lily? Where? She went, she's in the office. See, she was like really GLR. freaked out. And I came in and you were like, hi. I said, no, she is fine. Yeah. <laughs> she thought you were making it up. There? I don't know. You'd had an argument with Keith or something. Yeah, I mean, but I, I called him a, and I was like, I was I've got her. I was such a like, weirdly independent and tenacious little thing. You were, I think you were. I know I used to like know the number of ground shows off by heart yeah. and I'd like I'd snip, <laughs> little snippets of information my mum would like to say that she was going out for dinner somewhere and I'd find you know call 192 get the number call up and I'd be like I need to speak to Alison no, you know she was always being interrupted in, in dinners with like, oh. me going like, where are you <laughs> well yeah she's just checking you there <laughs> Like, it was like role reversal. Oh, like, you were a funny little thing. Yeah. But also, yeah, you know, I just used to get on with it. 
I remember Alison saying to me once, and, she, uh, and I saw her, and she said, oh, God, the weirdest thing happened with Lily last night. And, what, and uh, what was it? And you had been like, Mum, I need a hug. You were probably about three. Mum, I need a hug. Mum, I need a hug. Mum, I need a hug. No, no. And you went, and Alison said, so I was giving her a hug, and you went, okay, that's enough. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't really done. <laughs> you were like, yeah, that's enough. That's okay. like, uh, feel better now, Fendi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can go now. The thing is, Lily's not that huggy, but when you not, are tactile... I don't think people would necessarily say I'm a tactile No, person. but when you are, like, don't touch you me. really mean it. So yes. if Lily gives you a hug, it's because she really wants to give you a hug. Not because people hug each other. So I think it means... <laughs> I hate it. And I'm like an emotional, like, total teddy bear. I'm like, come again, love you so much. She's like, okay. Get away. You are very, like, strokey, huggy. <laughs> yes, very. Marnie, my youngest, is like that. Is oh. she? Yeah, Ethel's like me. She's like... Yeah, Ethel's totally like you. Like, Ethel is very like you. <laughs> I walked into something when it was your birthday down in um, Gloucestershire, and I walked into it and all the kids were there, and Ethel went, why do people keep interrupting me? <laughs> And I thought, oh, my God, you're just like your mother. <laughs> she was like, oh, for God's sake, can't you see I'm busy? Is it intense having daughters? Does it make it easier to see all the stuff in you? In I them? just love having daughters so much. I mean, I, I really thought when I was younger that I was going to be, you know, because a lot of my friends are, are male. I'm, I yes, was always a yes. boy girl. And so yes. I always thought I'm going to have boy, boys. boys. And I just love my girls. They're just hilarious. Yeah, yeah they are they funny. They are so funny. <laughs> I have to let me just read you a quick story about uh, text. Are they getting American accents? No. I saw a little that. Bit, no, yeah. Marnie a little bit. Marnie wrote a, a letter to. She's in camp and she wrote a letter to Priscilla, our cat. Oh. But she's low key trying to make her jealous. Look, here she goes. Dear make Priscilla. The cat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at summer camp. I really wanted to bring you, but David didn't let me pack you. I think you would like it here. It's pretty fun. I held a rooster and named him Dragon. <laughs> I'm also very good friends with a calf named Rookie. <laughs> Even though he sometimes jumps on me. You would not like the waterfront, though. You would probably not even know it's water because it's so yellow. I like it. It's very fun. Miss you. <laughs> that feels like almost, a book. Almost no, no, like a book I'm also, I should just let you know, I am very good friends with Very a good friends with a calf named Rookie. Okay. Brilliant. I don't think it's going to get weird when I get back, but I thought I'd let you know. I just have to tell you. I want you to get used to the idea because I'll probably be mentioning quite a lot by the time I get home. Still, good writing though, right? So hang on, I want to talk about this being a boy girl thing. Are you, you're not like that, are you, Keats? No, not like Lil. So I have most, like most of your mates, because I think of you with lots of dudes. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm something of a boy girl Daddy myself. Issues. <laughs> Daddy issues. Daddy issues. <laughs> And you, know, and, you know, and you know Lily's dad, don't you? Very I well. I do know Lily's dad, So yes. why the hell would she have any daddy? <laughs> <laughs> no, but there, there was a thing of, like, there was a group of boys, we won't, go, we won't name them, but that you know who you are, and they, um, they looked after Lil, and they were very much her protectors and her right. safety net. Did you feel like that? Did you feel that you, you needed them to kind of look after you at that time? Did it feel good to have those men in your life in that way? No, I've just preferred boys. I mean, I think, like, just this podcast has shown you how much I like to talk about myself, and girls like to talk about themselves, so I don't really like girls. Oh! <laughs> got you. Boys, <laughs> boys don't like to talk about themselves. So they they just listen. 
That's so true. What Good they listening were, voice. What they were was a captive audience <laughs> for five years. Okay. That's very Ta-da! interesting. Also, I have found, because I've always had, like, groups of men that I've spent time with. Like, I don't really like hanging out with a whole bunch of... I like, I've got a lot of female friends. Yes, that's the same as me. But I don't like being don't like out, hanging out with, with like, a mass. bunch of women. Yeah. No. I, I quite like going out with a bunch of dudes, and I've always had that. But also, yeah. I think, you know, I just... I did grow up with quite... The men in my life were quite misogynistic, I would say. Quite sexist. And quite sexist. What? And so I knew that I did not want to be viewed by men in, in the way. way that women had been presented to me by the men in my life. Yeah. And so my way of doing that was sort of co-opting them as friends. And I would be... It protected me from being objectified in that way. I think I, think I was quite misogynistic, but I think it was because of the... Being around that. Uh, being, being around that. And so it was... I, I viewed women in a negative way because that was, that was what was presented to mm. me. So it was like I'm, I sort of made my mind up about what women were and what they were how where they sat in the world and mm. I made a decision I don't want to be viewed like that yeah. I'm not going to be Do objectified you... in that way and so my way was like you know if you can't beat them join, join them. them so Get I was like oh yeah God. but also... I'm not like that anymore but I think that's what was going on Another thing about me just before we stop no I'm yes. all right. like... so um you're you're going to the theater now I am. I'm going to go and... I'm meant to have another meeting this afternoon, but I feel quite tired, so I'm going to just have a little nap. Have a food yeah. nap. Yeah. I would imagine you need that. Yeah, you have a little food coma nap. Mm. You're not going to need to eat again, are you? No. That'd be um, nice. Fuel for the play. Yeah. Oh. I might take a little bit of this with oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Because there's the other tray, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there's another train. I see your eyes looking a bit like, is no one going to offer me a Tupperware? (laughs) (laughs) Then he's like, are you trying to block my chicken? I thought that that's literally what you were about. You were like, hang on a minute. It's like, no, no, no. No, because I was just double checking if there's enough. For who? For what? Garfield, Ebony Tea. Garfield's already had a plate. plate. I'd like some more. (laughs) 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 All right. Okay, so there we go. Now we get to the the There's another tray of chicken. It has been absolutely glorious having this lunch. I mean, it's, it's everything that I... I'm not going to say, like, I'm bowled over by it because it's what you I need. know what it is and that's why I asked for it. And I needed it, actually. And it has been, um, yeah, everything and more. It's, this isn't bowling over food. This is food that makes you... supposed to warm up your heart. Yes, it's exactly. Like a little it does. nap now. Yeah. That's what it does. It's I mean, actually, I'd really like to sit in front of the sofa and watch the faculty. <laughs> oh, my God, don't <laughs> That would be like the real old days. And then we can listen to the Santana albums. Then it'll be a party. Man, it's a hot man. Yeah, um, that would have been classic Saturday for us. Chicken, Burroughs, Santana, and faculty. You guys now have to have fun. We really did. Cheers, darling. Cheers, This was a very good drink. You know what, I really... Did you like this? I did. Delicious. It's your best drink. That was nice, wasn't it? Oh, God, I don't know how long it's been since me, you and Lil just had, like, family lunch. Yeah, it was really lovely. How do you think she's doing right now? I think she's doing great. I think she's the best she's ever been. When I was saying to her that she seems really level, it's like she really just has found... Peace. It's just, I think, actually, learning to express... what You know, she said she never had the words to express her emotions. She never had the word to really talk about how she feels. And because she's got so much better at doing that 
she just is released from a lot of that pent-up stuff that she always had. And um, I'm just happy for her because she just yeah. seems so happy, basically. Yeah. But clearly with Lily, like with all of us, and you're the same, it's like even if it scares you, she'll do it anyway. She said she was retching on the floor face down before 2.22, the curtains went up on the yeah. first time. And she still got up and went on the stage yeah. and killed it. But you know what? I spoke to her that week and I was like, she was telling me how her nerves were affecting her like physically. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be good. Yeah. Retching on the floor, you say, with nerves. Ooh, some big <laughs> dreams are about to be fulfilled. <laughs> I was like, you should be retching. Yeah. This is a big old step. Yeah. Sometimes things just scare you to the very core, and that's why that's when you know, ah, I'm, okay. I'm on the right path. Deep breath, hunker down, get it done, did. Yeah. Here's cheers to that. Thanks for cheers. Thanks for raising us right. So I would like to bring it to your attention that that concludes season one of Stirring It Up, the podcast. Good job! With Nikita and Andy <laughs> yeah. Oliver. We did it. Eight episodes. We've interviewed eight beautiful guests. Are you liking it? I'm loving it. Yeah, it feels like, especially doing someone like Lily, it was like a real um, statement of, oh, we really are doing what we've always done. Yes. Because yes. Lily saw it and went, can I come on? Because for her, what she was really saying is, can I come around and eat some food at your house? Mm. And like, mm. like, like, same as it ever was. So it kind of made me realise that whatever it is we thought we were going to do, we have kept it true to what we've always done. Yes. yes. Come People around. around, bring a mate, enjoy yourself, kick back, chat, eat some food, and, you know, we'll do the rest. The plus ones have been excellent, and I'm so glad that we decided to make that part of the invitation because I just think it, it for me, it's just meant meeting another excellent person every time. So I'm really looking forward to series two. My idea, my idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's flown. It was your idea, okay. Um, Series two, we're going to have a little break, and then we're going to be back for series two. Where we're going to be back for series two, season two, series two. Which you one? like saying season? I like saying because season it makes you think we're making Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> and I like saying series because it makes me feel like we're making a great British drama. Oh, you're <laughs> such a lunatic! <laughs> season two, series two, whatever you want to call it, is just around the corner. We've got really great people lined up again. I, me, and Randell are like already putting our kitchen hats on, deciding what we're going to cook for everybody. And uh, this was uh, this was the drinks have been very excellent. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations, Thank particularly you. on the steepers. I know, this is my new thing. But then I think as we go into kind of w- the warmer months, I'll be making oh. more different kinds of brews. Oh, my you God, know? you know what we can have one day? Hot buttered rum. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. I see mean, you. seriously. See you, see you episode one. See, series episode two. one, season two. <laughs> season two. Season two. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.